everyone, and welcome to this conversation presented by White House Custom Color. I'm Jed Toffer. Thanks for listening. You know, my wife Vicki and I have owned and operated our photography studio, V Gallery, for 20 years now. White House has been our lab for the last 16 of those years, and we could not be happier. White House is a family-run business, just like ours. If you haven't already, check them out at whcc.com. And if you want to drop me a line, feel free to email me at jed at whcc.com. Have you ever met someone who knows so much stuff about so much stuff that you don't even know where to begin with them? I recently had the absolute privilege to sit with Ed Monahan and discuss all kinds of relevance. And boy, did he deliver. He's one of those rare folks that seem to have so much information at the tip of their fingers that their main challenge is keeping up with themselves. Ed is a sage, a wise man in the classical sense of the term. We discuss the behavior of today's consumer, as well as the impact of technology on them and us as entrepreneurs. And Ed doesn't slow down for a second. This is another strap yourself in and have the notebook handy episode, friends. Here we go. Mr. Ed Monahan, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Jed, for having me. Could you tell me a little bit about who you are? Well, I'm an ex-Kodak, if there's such a thing exists. Spent 30 years at the Kodak company and then about another four at Alaris and uh, left in August of 2017. Spent a lot of time doing research, understanding markets, understanding and forecasting where products and technologies would change markets. And uh, then came to work for White House for a couple of years and have just never looked back and have just had been thoroughly blessed. I feel like you have been... If that's what you did, and I I believe that that's what you did, but I feel like you saying that, I get this image of you being in the center of the eye of this big storm. That's what comes to mind, considering what's happened in our industry in particular in the last 15 or 20 years. Yeah, and I'm old enough to have been through many of those storms, (laughs) beginning with the conversion from film to digital cameras, and I worked uh, as a leader to create film scanners so we could prolong the life of film, convert film into a digital file. And then that eventually gave way to digital printers. And then that gave way to digital cameras in total. Um, And it's really been, you know, you you talk about the storm. The other thing I've done a lot of is try to look at parallel industries, the way the music industry, the way the entertainment industry had changed and been disrupted by technology. And having done that, what were the discoveries or learnings that would apply to the portrait industry? You know, there's a new buyer in town, hmm. this millennial generation, um, just Gen Y or Gen Z as they're affectionately known. And it was really important for us, I think, to understand why were they behaving the way they were and how could we help our industry partners, labs and professional photographers, leverage that learning to sell differently, to sell, sell what they sell is different, how they sell is different, where they sell is different. But yeah, good good analogy, perfect story. Well, that's what that's what came to mind. I mean, I remember it from my perspective, and I didn't have a lot of background before this millennium. Like we we really got going in like '98 or '99, so I don't have the history of before that. We 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 you can, missed some great years. Well, I I, did, I think I did. I'm sure I did. But you, I know you you probably weathered a lot of storms over the years, but. The, the last 20 years, is it fair to say that the last 20 years that those storms or that storm has been much more significant than, than what you were familiar with beforehand? I think it's absolutely fair. In fact, I think you, if you plotted the rate of change from 50, 1950 to 1990, 
and then 1990 to 2005, and then 2005 to 2015, um, the rate of change has been amazing. But it's not just the rate of change, it's the impact of change. You know, you think about music, you and I are old enough to remember mm -hmm. vinyl when that yeah. was the only thing. And then yeah. it went to cassette and then eight track and then it went to DVD and, and then it went to single song choice by Apple right. or right. walmart.com. And now it's streaming. Um, you know, it's interesting because in the end, music has been upended in the way music is delivered to the person, but the artists themselves remain the same. And I think mm -hmm. that some of that is true of professional photography. The professional photographer is still the linchpin in the system. The ecosystem begins and centers on their ability to craft and, and take a great, fantastic picture. What's changed is what happens after that. Mm. And, you know, again, film necessitated a print. The physics of film required you convert that film image to a print of some sort. And the silver halide technology was a single-sided print. You know, now we're printing on metals, we're printing on acrylic, yeah. we're printing uh, on, on electrophotography materials. So, yeah, I, I think it's very fair to say that the rate of change and the impact of change in the last 20 years has been magnumous on the industry. So you've studied behavior. Consumer like, behavior as to how they purchase, why they purchase, where they purchase. And, and primarily behavior of Gen Y and Gen Z? Predominantly the millennial your... generation, because if you think about like the school market, it's children. And mm. so the parents of those children are our millennial generation. Are younger, yeah. right. You know, the boomers that I'm part of um, are now grandparents. Grandparents, right. Yeah. And we probably are a bigger buying public than the industry realizes. We have money and we, <laughs> yeah, and we right, have time right. for those that are retired, but we don't have a desire to be in the picture. We just want pictures of our grandchildren. But mm. um, yeah, it's the behavioral study and, and uh, quick why this happened. Back in the 90s and into the 2000s, as the digital disruption was changing the market, we were asking photographers what was happening, and it was an unfair question to ask them. They know that their buy rates were changing and what they were selling was changing, but they didn't know why. Mm -hmm. So we asked the labs, and the labs could tell us that business was down at film and it was growing in digital, mm -hmm. but we didn't know why. And so at Kodak, we decided we really had to understand the behavior at the end user level. And we began a series of surveys that piggybacked on work we were doing from 95 on. And as an example, we were interviewing or surveying 40,000 US buyers every other year. So a pretty significant database. And yeah, that's big. That's really big. And it just continued into the 2000 era, 2010 era, you know, and by default, the people you were surveying who are the buyers of your portrait products, families with children, were millennial parents of young children. So that kind of led to that. But it also became a personal interest. Um, you know, the millennial generation, on the one hand, is actually very predictable. They're very well understood, probably the most studied generation in the last 30 years but they are different. And so anything you learned in marketing and salesmanship 101 from 1990 to 2005, you got to throw away. Is that it, right? It doesn't apply. I mean, the, the constructs and the basic foundational tenets of marketing are the same, you know, but what you say, how you say it, and where you say it has changed dramatically. In fact, how how I'll, so? I'll, what's, what's well, a, I'll quote. What's so you and I grew up in an era where the brand promises is what we counted on. We trusted, you know, uh, the brand claimed something, we believed it. Okay. This generation with peer reviews would say the assertion of the brand pales in comparison to the experience of a peer. So peer reviews are a much more um, driving force in the desire or decision-making process, as an example. Um, millennials are minimalists. They buy based on need, not based on want. But I think the biggest thing, um, three, three, three words come to mind choice, convenience, and control. 
what they've learned through Netflix versus Blockbuster or Netflix and Hulu versus cable is they are empowered. Mm. We've seen a switch in the supply chain of who holds the power. It's no longer the manufacturer or the brand, it's the buyer or the consumer. And it's being driven by their craving for choice, convenience, and control. The other thing that happened, Jed, was technology availed this generation of a couple things, infinite and immediate reach. Mm. You know, you get a set of wallets from a school shoot or a portrait shoot, it takes you weeks to get them out. You take a picture or get a digital file and put it in Facebook, it's going to an infinite audience immediately. And with Facebook, there's this thing called likes and feedback mechanisms. So infinite and immediate reach became a craving and almost an essential need that a consumer at a millennial level had. Um, infinite and immediate reach, anytime, anywhere access. Think about your cell phone, ubiquitous capture, ubiquitous availability to technology and content. And the last part was real-time, anytime connection. This is a wired generation, or should I say a wireless generation. So how much of, if you were to look at that, the millennial generation and, and consider the concept of nature versus nurture, how much of who they are is solely because they've been nurtured in an era where technology exists to make them who they are? I think that that's a great synopsis of where we find ourselves today. Technology has availed utility, and utility has led to choice, and that choice is really a, a different set of choices than you and I would make, and for a different set of reasons. But it's, it's, they've been technologically empowered. And then it becomes a psychological approach. I can overhear, I should be able to hear. Uh, we get into things huh. like exits and abandonment. Um, there was a study, gosh, 10 years ago with uh, commercials. If the image wasn't changing every tenth of a second, at the one second mark, the millennial was gone. They just wouldn't watch your ad. Um, <laughs> you and I would take us 10 seconds to read the advertisement in a magazine 10 years ago. But, but no, I think you're onto something very, very important because technology has not stopped evolving. And right. It, and has it influenced the last 20 years? We have to believe it's going to influence the next 20 years. I mean, it's changed dramatically in the last three or four years. It has. And again, using music or entertainment, you know, you think about, you know, the Blockbuster video example, and, and it's a great example because Blockbuster had three advantages over Netflix. It got content that much sooner than Netflix. Yeah. It had a wider variety or array of choices of content, and it paid less for it. And it was the darling, you know, in the late uh, 90s, 2000, 2005, it was the darling of the street because it was a phenomenal model. But if you think about the blockbuster model, about the choice, convenience, and control, my wife and I live in Rochester, New York. She says to me, honey, Friday night, let's watch a movie, 13 inches of snow on the ground, trek through the snow for right. 20 minutes to the video store. And it's not there. Stand <laughs> it's, out. In, it's out. Stand, stand in line and... Um, <laughs> You know, come back with the movie, and 10 seconds into it, it's scratched, or it's not the movie she right. wants to watch. Oh, yeah. So we're done for the night. Right. With Netflix, this happens all the time. We're three minutes in, whoop, switch, try another thing. Kids, yeah. that story that he just told happened a lot. Yeah. <laughs> they don't, like, they have a hard time even wrapping their minds around that. Yeah, but, but I think, again, to, back to your excellent point, the studies we did, and it was kind of a chicken and the egg, was the behavior pulling the technology to better places or was the better places because you could achieve the technology bringing the consumer there? And, it, and as I said to someone at, at a leadership level, it doesn't matter. The point is they're somewhere else. It is what it is. It is. And, you know, there's a digital utility. And, of course, the portrait industry has seen this. And, you know, the, the, the heresy in the room is the demand for professional capture for craftsmen, and, and I'll say this, you know, the iPhone is amazing. And the iPhone's advantage is not that it takes a better picture than a professional with technology, technology, because it doesn't. 
and it doesn't because mom's not really trained to take a good picture the way right. a professional photographer is. Right. What the iPhone does is ubiquitously let her capture life every single moment of the mm. day. And the photographer can't be there at key moments. But there are special occasions that she's not trustworthy to take the kind of quality photograph that, that a professional can. Right. So my point is the professional photographer is here to stay. Uh, in the same way craftsmen in any industry, you know, plumbers, electricians, uh, different people who have a skill set that's better than do it yourself will always have a living. Uh, the challenge for the lab industry is where do they fit and how do they manifest the sitting from a digital file back to a physical print? And, you know, I'll, I'll be talking at SPAC in a, in a week and a half or so. Um, it's interesting, Jed, because the, the digital utility is here to stay. And in some ways, digital versus print is not a fair fight. Again, anytime, anywhere, access, real-time, all the time, uh, connection, infinite, immediate reach. Having said that, there are things we've lost our sights on that the print is not a fair fight to the digital. The print has utilities in itself, and I'll talk about that at SPAC. And so what I would say, this, the strategy that I would embark on if I was in this industry is an and strategy, digital and print. Both and. Rather than either or. Rather than either or. There is utility. The digital file is demanded to deliver that it does deliver and the mother or the father or the um, end client wants. But there's utility the print has in terms of archival quality, physical, tactile, artifacting, um, prominent display within the home. And I think the other thing that we've talked about, the technology of film, the digital capture, but the output side has changed dramatically. And you've seen that in the last yeah. 20 years. Mm -hmm. We've gone from printing on silver halide exclusively one side of two dimensions, X and Y, right. to we're printing in both sides with duplexing. We're printing on acrylics. We're printing on metals. We're printing on bamboo. Right. And the question in my mind is, what do we print on next year or the year after? Right. But, um, anyway, I digress. But that's, that's, that's also a result of technology. Like It seems Absolutely. to me like the common thread here is the advancement in technology and and how even over it's it's almost like this logarithmical or or this this graph that this that looks like a hockey stick because yep. you know it technology is always advanced or at least in modern history it's always advanced to some degree but lately it's like just shooting through the roof and what you said that professional photographers are here to stay and that's comforting yes <laughs> but what do you say to somebody that is concerned about what that hockey stick does to the industry regarding barrier of entry for, for competitors or for the moms that are able to take those pictures? Yeah, yeah, great question. Technologically, the hockey stick will always prevail to bring technology to a greater utility in the choice stack. Mm -hmm. If it was as simple as algorithmic or artificial intelligence being the defining factor in who mom picks for a picture, the photographer would have reason to be concerned. Yeah. The thing that makes the photographer a craftsman, and I've said this, is God made them different. You know, Terry Daglow, uh, an established Kodak mentor, worked with me early in my career, was supposed to be a week to train me about being a portrait photographer. And about 10 minutes into it, he took the camera out of my hand, sat down and said, you're done. And I said, I have not That's even it. started. You can retire from that career. <laughs> I said, I haven't even started. He said, you're done. You're an engineer. Really? You're thinking linearly. You're, you're thinking your way through this. He said, a professional photographer feels. Huh. Jed, what a professional has that an iPhone will never have is the ability to personify life. They see the human spirit through the lens and they create a moment in time where they hit the button and they mm -hmm. capture the image. That can't be replaced. And the example I'll give for those that are in my generation, mm -hmm. and the younger generation listening may have no idea what I'm talking about, but there was a thing called a PVAC, a, a film analyzer. 
In the film days, before you printed, you had to analyze the film for what's called printing density, red, green, blue values. And we, for 30 years, talked about how technology would eventually replace the human eye and algorithmically would predict the color and the print density, and it never did. Because there's something about a industry where the human dimension cannot be replaced. And huh. I, so I say to the photographer, continue to perfect your craft, continue to trust what God has given you the ability to do. Um, you know, and I appreciate this the same way I sing in the shower because I can't sing and also I appreciate music. I sing in the shower. They call child protective services, get the kids out of the house. <laughs> but I also appreciate photography because Terry told me you can't be a portrait photographer. And he said, that's why we're going to be here forever. Those of us, not including myself, who have the gift and the art of seeing human life, human spirit, personification of the moment, will always have a job because there's times in life, the days we get married, the day our children are born, the day our children are memorialized through the school and sports years, um, high school seniors, there are enough special occasions each and every year that it warrants and deserves and is worthy of a professional photographer. So given that, you're making me think of this now, given that, does it is that not why it makes more sense than ever if you're a professional photographer to focus on relationships with your clients? Absolutely. I mean, that's the piece that you bring to the table. Absolutely. And it's the piece that the consumer, the millennial consumer is looking for. They want to know you. Is that right? Want, oh, yeah. Yeah. Relationships are very important to them. Um, and, and, and there's data that PPFA had that I'll be talking about at Imaging uh -huh. uh, on, on a talk Sunday night that talk about what the consumer criteria is, you know, the path to purchase journey. And you've hit the nail on the head and, and given away the trade secret. Oh. Um, it's, it's relationships. You know, people want to be able to do business because it's not artificial intelligence and because it overcomes the technological advances made in cameras and lenses and image sensors and onboard processing because it's the human heart that feels life and feels personification. Um, they want that relationship. And so, yeah, I would say avail yourself to your client. And in fact, I think we've seen a transition in the industry already where a lot of the up and coming, uh, the new breed of photographer um, young women in particular are very effective because they're taking pictures of other young women's children and mm. young women relate to young women. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of resonance there. A lot of resonance there. You know, it's, it's not a functional or, or, you know, sterile environment in which you're dealing with a photographer. You're, you're, because again, you're emotionally wed to the occasion. It is, yeah. you've hired somebody who's charging you quite a bit of money and should, because they're really good at what they do. But therefore, you want it to come out right. And it isn't just a functional relationship where they're standing at the altar getting the shots or they're posing. You know, they're working and engaging with you constantly, and you have to trust them. Um, the other thing that you didn't ask, and I'll jump to the yeah, thing. In addition to the relationship, it, it, it's meeting the consumer, the millennial consumer, where the millennial consumer plays in, in the spaces and places that they behave, and it's online. Um, you know, there's no doubt that they search, and the data will show this on Sunday night uh, a week from now, they search through the internet and they scour. And as I said, the assertion of the brand pales in comparison to the experience of the peer. Well, where do they get that peer review? You know, it's not in a magazine. It's not in a direct mail piece. It's in the online world. So mm. the, the reality is the photographer has to avail themselves on a personal level with trust and credibility and relational boundaries and barriers that they overcome. They've got to be found on the internet. They've got to use the internet to their advantage. And they've got to have a, in my opinion, uh, an and strategy. I'll sell you digital to the extent it has utility that you demand and crave, but I want you to understand I can do more than give you a digital file. Mm -hmm. I can give you a phenomenal experience to display probably throughout the home. Brag on yourself, brag on your children. Um, and with that, I'll let you ask another well, question. Well, so this, this is, okay, you're doing a very good job of making my brain go to these questions. I'm thinking with everything that you're saying, it sounds like, and, and people say this, but to reiterate this coming from you is a, is a big deal. It sounds to me like 
social media and self-promotion are that much more important. Social media and being promoted by others because it's still a word of Via social media. Via social media. Right. You know, and again, I talked about music hasn't changed at the artistic level. It's changed in the way it's purchased or received at the consumer level. You know, to your point, at the end of the day, you know, the professional photographer is is selling themselves and their artistic capability. And um, the opportunity for the consumer to get you social media is just a different courier. Um, it used to be word of mouth. You know, you'd be at a yeah. party or you'd be at a friend's house. You'd say, oh, you know, and again, it, word of mouth is a misnomer. Usually what happens is you walked into someone's home and saw a portrait. You see it. Yeah. Wow. Right. Who did that? Right. That's amazing. Right. Damn, you look good, girl. Right. <laughs> and, and and it was word of mouth in the sense that it was viral marketing, but it stimulated on the site of a picture. Now what happens is social media is just the career. It's still the same conversation amongst yeah. the same number of people, except it happens faster. And it brings up an interesting thing that we talked a little bit about at the dinner the night. People should Google search themselves because social media works both ways. It's a courier of good news. Uh, it's also a courier of bad experiences. Brings it all. <laughs> it does. Um, but but to your point, and it's an excellent point, the photographer has to build that relationship and be availing of a relationship. And they've got to allow, allow social media to do what it does best, and that's promote. Or give the audience a chance to find others who promote them for themselves. I ask because so many times during these podcasts, even when we get to the point where we're talking about social media, which inevitably happens most of the time, the reaction that a lot of people have is, I, you know, I have this love-hate relationship with social media. I yep. do it because I have to do it, but I don't like how often I feel like I have to do it. Yeah, and, and what really should happen is social media should be done about you, not by you, hmm. if that makes sense. In other words, as I say, the assertion of the brand of, well, what is the photographer going to say? I'm not really very good. Please consider the guy down the street. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> you know, what, what, what is Kodak or, or, or Fuji going to say? You know, right. use the other guy. Right. Um, <laughs> The assertion of the brand has been lost because no one trusts it anymore. Mm. Of course, it's going to say good things. The photographer should see social media as an avenue or a channel of word of mouth communication. Mm -hmm. And it, and what the consumer who's investigating or trying to discover you wants to understand is not what you say about yourself, but what social media does is when I can see your work. Yeah, I can see. And it's not just the quality of your work. It's the style of your work. Mm. You know, are you innovative? Are you trendy? Are you are you aligned with what I want for this occasion to mm -hmm. look like? So the social media first makes me available as a photographer to a larger audience where they see what I do, but then they can check me out with peer reviews. And, you know, that part of social media, the peer reviews, isn't something you do for yourself. And to your point, Jed, it's a great love-hate relationships comment because it doesn't always work. You know, right. you, you do something that in your mind was a trivial situation that was overcome, and the next thing you know is you're being pasted or blasted right. in social media, right. you know, but, but again, but on the other end of the spectrum, you can go viral. You can go viral, infinite and immediate reach. Right. Yeah. And it's like all things we started this conversation on technology. Social media is the new channel of communication and advertising. It's how you make yourself available. You know, it's funny. I, I, I have kids that are between 28 and 32, 35. I know it's hard to believe, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it's interesting because they don't have cash. They don't have a checkbook. You know, everything is... They don't have cash. They don't have cash. And I said to my daughter, how do you reconcile your checkbook? She goes, I don't have checks. I don't have those. There's nothing un, unaccounted right. for. So, but... but She didn't I, have to write checks. Yeah. 
and, and they, they use that debit card or PayPal for a $1.75 purchase. I mean, yeah. they've got a hundred, but my point yeah. in that is that's the new ecosystem. Yeah. It's the new millennial mantra. And if you are a photographer attempting to sell to a millennial mom to, you know, photograph her family and her children, um, she's going to discover you foremost in the internet or in a mm. social media world. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and right or wrong, it is what it is. Um, so SEO is, a, is also a big deal. Big deal. SEO, you know, Facebook, Instagram, uh, followers. Um, and I'll go back to if you're a photographer who still sells portrait prints and wall display, you're going to be discovered when people who are visiting the client that you last served see the quality of the work on your wall. The system seems to be set up to reward the narcissist. Am uh, I being jaded? Um, hey, call me out. No, you can't be that good if you aren't a bit of a narcissist. Narcissist. So okay. that hasn't, you're saying that that's existed to some degree always. Yeah, I think the best of the best know they're very good and, mm, and there's yeah. a humility in their pride. And I know that's kind of an oxymoron. It is a bit, yeah. But there's a humility in their pride. You know, arrogance or conceit can be unwarranted. Yeah. It, it's truly arrogance. You know, you're arrogant about your abilities and you really don't have them. Right. <laughs> right. The social media sphere is, is, is vets. You know, you can say, again, the assertion of the brand. You can claim anything, um, but the last client you serve will tell a better we'll story. Will let people know, right? But and back to your relationship thing, the narcissism may be what propels you and motivates you and compels you to be better than the guy down the street. Mm. But at the end of the day, when you're talking about relations with a client, you have to appease to them and and talk to them in the space and place that they want to be talked to. But that's a good point. I never thought about the narcissism aspect. Um, any great leader, any great success story has to have a little bit of ego behind them. Right. You're right. And I don't, I don't even really mean to, to paint the picture so bleak as to say that, oh, narcissism is inherently bad, you know, through right. and through. But I just feel like the way that the system's set up is that a little bit of that, at the very least, is almost necessary. It is, especially when you're competing for likes or right. you're competing for followers or followers, likes or yeah. comments or yeah. shares. No, or that's a great point. And to your and to your point, narcissism is not necessarily a bad word. It, it, not it's hard for me to to do to say that, but I think that in yeah. this instance, right. But it's interesting because the the ego and narcissism that you've spoken of isn't necessarily said by the person about themselves it's said about them and again that's the beauty right. of social media is it it is a it's not a respecter of persons yeah it yeah it says what it says and sometimes it's wrong and it's unfair and judgmental but it's mostly right you know most you, of the time i think peer so. reviews work it's just that when it's not it stings you know it it's, does it but, can be brutal but that was happening before the difference with social media back to this infinite media reaches when you had a person against you, they told 15 people because that's all the contacts that they had yeah. in a telephone world. Today, I think they can tell 15 million. Are, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it can happen real time in front of everybody. <laughs> and, and, and that's where technology has gone awry. And it's like, you know, a terrible example. But, you know, in the, in the schoolyard, the bully beating up another kid was witnessed by the eyes yeah. of 15 people yeah. and it was forgotten by four the afternoon. Today it's witnessed by 30 to 40 cell phones and yeah. it's on Facebook and the poor kid that got beat up is humiliated yeah. in front of thousands and in tens perpetuity of perpetuity to who knows who. Exactly. Yeah. But we digress. Right. Well, it, yes and no. I this makes me think on a on a larger scale. Like if I look at what we're talking about from 30 or 40,000 feet, right? It's I find it 
I don't know, like tragically ironic to some degree, because I hear a lot of people in my generation and in mm -hmm. your generation, right, mm -hmm. complain about millennials. Yes. Lots of complaints, you know, and, ma and maybe that always happens too, because I feel like when I was a kid, it was, oh, Gen X, or we were the slackers, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And, I, and I understand how that works, but yeah. I also think it's very interesting, given our nature-nurture con conversation earlier, that to some degree, millennials and who they are have really been created by Gen X and boomers and what the Gen X and the baby boomers have, have been doing for the last 50 years regarding technology. It's almost like you're complaining about that, what it is that you made possible to happen. It's a great point. And I'll go back to the social media. Uh, you're right. Our parents complained about our generation. Their parents complained about their sure. generation. The social media aspect, the millennials are getting a bad rep that's being escalated or you know exacerbated by social media. We never knew how bad the boomer was. <laughs> but they were just as bad in their own way. Right. But it wasn't well, told on Facebook. Because you just had the 15 people talking about yeah, it on the phone. Exactly. You had 15 people. Did you know what he did? You know what she did? Right. But there is, to your point, Jed, there is a stereotypical dimension to millennials being cast, you know, living in their parents' bedroom, uh, basement, oh, yeah, gaming that. and all that sure. kind of stuff. You know, there's a lot of good. In fact, I talked last year at SPAC and I focused, it's funny you said, I focused on millennials and I, it was basically, you know, your customer, your, your well, your employee or your boss. Imagine mm. being 55 years old and having to work for a 30 something. Oh um, yeah. Right. But, but your point is, I want to get back to your point. We've made them. Um, yes, that's what I'm saying. Them. We've availed them of technology. We've empowered them. Uh, again, Netflix, Hulu examples, and, and Amazon. Yeah. Think yeah. about being a professional photographer and trying to compete in a world of online selling and retailing that dominates. In fact, it's funny. I'll talk about this at, at SPAC. Remember the days when Amazon was selling books? And, yes. And Kindles? <laughs> That's what it was. And books. competing with Borders and Barnes and Noble? <laughs> right. And again, the generation listening to this are like, what are you talking about? This right. is the largest economic retailing giant in right. the world. Yeah, right. but there was a time where they were just selling it, books online. It was online. books. Yeah. 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 But, but you make a great point because we, we've got to be careful, not only to not criticize because we've created the monster, um, but it's not a monster. Um, there, there, there's a lot of good in the millennial generation. You know, they're socially responsible more than any generation before them. Well, at some point, we're going to bite the hand that feeds us. Yes. Is that not right? And maybe in some cases, literally. Yeah, if we're not careful, <laughs> for sure. But, but I, to your point, we've got to, again, as a professional photographer, we've got to be careful not to buy into all the stereotypes. Mm. We've got to recognize that the technology that's made them is both friendly and faux yeah. as, as we sell into them. And mm. uh, yet there's a lot of redeeming qualities. You know, I, I, I think that they've inherited the world that we left them and they're going to, many of them, make it a better place to live as they go forward. What are, in, in parting, in your parting words here on this podcast, what, what sort of advice do you have for the current photographer right now um, in, in how it is that they can best position their business and what they're doing um, for this market that we're discussing? Yeah. Do we have a half an hour? Well, <laughs> I know that I'm, I know that's a big softball for you. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting. You, you, you've put me on the narcissism thing. The first advice I'd give is recognize what you do is a God given talent and it makes you different in mm -hmm. a better way. Yes. Mom may have technology in her hands and she may be with that child all day long, every day long, 
But there are times in life where she will call on you because what you do can't be replicated mm. in technology. And that, that's my number one message. You cannot be replaced by technology. Mm. Even artificial intelligence is not going to replace you. You inherently have a gift to see the personification of the human spirit through a lens and to capture that moment. The second thing I would say is embrace social media. Embrace it for what it is. It is the new communication vehicle. Um, the third thing I'd say is don't try to force digital to compete in a fight against print. Let them both coexist. I there, love that. There are reasons that digital utility will always be better than print and it should be served to a consumer. And as fast as I say that, I want to say, and there are reasons the print has utility over the digital file. And, and, and the manifestation of your captured file is really best understood and appreciated on the wall. I love the both and mindset yeah. as opposed to the either or, because yeah. we get stuck in that either or. Sometimes, yeah, that's right? critical. And the final thing I'd say is, you know, take advantage of the things that you, Jed, and White House provide to equip yourself to be better at your craft, to be better at selling. Um, and the final advice I'd give is enjoy your art. Mm. There's, there's no better experience for your clients than when you're enjoying what you're doing because you're making their world a better place that are going to be documented forever. Ed, thank you for your time and for thank putting you, me Jen. in. Thank you, Jen. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I hope it was helpful. Thank you. <laughs>